We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. to another edition of Hand Raised Guys presented by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. I'm Neil McCready. Today on the show, I'm joined by Mickey Plyler, a radio talk show host at 105.5 The Roar in Clemson, South Carolina. Uh, we talk about the possibility of the breakup of the ACC. We preview the upcoming season in the SEC and much more. We normally release this on Thursday night. I'm pushing it a day early because of all the talk about Florida State, uh, the Big Ten, possibly uh, getting aggressive with expansion in the wake of the uh, Pac-10, Pac-12 fallout, whatever it is. The Pac-10, whatever it is, is is falling apart tonight uh, as we speak on Tuesday nights. I'm going to push this out a uh, Wednesday night, a day early, so uh, I'll get that out to you today. First, let me tell you about Comer and Southern. They've got different names, but they offer the same people, the same products, the same services. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer. 662-801-1777. 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call Southern. 662-429-4429. This will be the Friday. Uh, actually, this will be, usually it's the Friday Oxford Exxon podcast. This will be a Thursday morning Oxford Exxon extra podcast. We'll get it to you a day early, like I said. The Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Great place to fill up. If uh, you're looking to fill up your vehicle, if you're looking to fill up yourself, great snacks, uh, always great drink selections, always clean, always a great place to stop in. Don't forget their ribs, the wet ribs, the dry ribs, great uh, way to spend your uh, summer weekend here as we get into the month of August. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest completely up to you. You can shop your quote around. You can do what I've done, but I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. 662-257-1900. Now, here is Mickey Plyler with our ACC preview here on Hand Race Guys. My old friend Mickey Plyler of the Roar in Clemson, South Carolina has been doing uh, radio in Clemson for basically a quarter of a century. I used to come on his show all the time when I was the Auburn beat writer at the Mobile Register. Got me, uh, Mickey got me in trouble with former Clem- former uh, Auburn basketball coach uh, Cliff Ellis one day. It was an interesting confrontation. 
that we had where uh, Cliff confronted me in the bowels of Bud Walton Arena in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So we go uh, we go way back. So Mickey, it's great to see you. Great to talk to you. And uh, how you been? I'm great. Uh, I was hoping you'd forget that. <laughs> I called it. I called him one time the worst ever a whistle around his neck. He didn't like it. He shouldn't have liked it. He was a better coach than I gave him credit for. And uh, and still winning through all that. Um, man, it's been a long time. I can remember. You taught me a lesson one time when you were at Auburn. Tommy Tuberville had open practices, and you begged him to close practice so you wouldn't have to go cover every single practice. Uh, I don't know if you remember that or not. It's like, yeah, I mean, all right, well, we got to. <laughs> it was, it was me. And, worse than, it was me and Charles Goldberg. There's nothing worse than. than yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, there's nothing worse than, than, than week three of August camp, two a days back then, right? Yeah, the, the the funny part of the story was it was a Sunday night, the end of a week, and uh, we'd been, it was in August, and all the practices have been open. We've been going mornings, evenings, <laughs> and, you know, they would practice the evening practice. They'd start like around 5, 30, 6 o'clock, and they'd go till 8. We'd interview people till 9, and we're back then we're on deadlines. And you're writing as fast as you can, sweaty, gross. You're writing till 10, 10, 15, 10, 30 to meet your deadline. And Tommy comes back into the media room. And there's like three of us in there. I think it was me and, and, and Charles Goldberg and maybe Philip Marshall. And we're all sitting in there. We're all on deadline writing as fast as we can. And Tuberville comes in there and wants to start shooting the breeze. And... We're like, dude, you got to get out of here. What you're killing us right now? Go, leave. And and, and uh, he's like, I don't understand. Basically, you know, what are you doing? I was coming back here to talk. I'm like, We're on deadline. If you'd close some practices, we'd get. He's like, Oh, you don't want to be at practice? We're like, Well, not every one of them. No, I mean, of course not. You know, and 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 it was the funny thing. And now it's we flipped the complete opposite thing. You get a few practices at the beginning of the year, and then that's it. You know, and some people want to go to every practice and I'm like you really don't because you know this Mickey it doesn't matter who you're covering it doesn't matter what practice you're watching you can be watching Clemson Auburn Ole Miss Pittsburgh Stanford it doesn't matter if you're watching a football every football practice is essentially the same it's it's the same thing and it's redundancy especially in preseason camp it's just the same thing kind of over and over yeah you you'd get it you'd learn a few things about maybe who was having great practices or whatnot, but anybody who tells you that watching five hours of football practice a day is fun, that they're out of their mind. No way. So uh, last year I had a friend of mine, Dabo Sweeney is coach sometimes. We don't, we don't get a lot, right? Uh, Mr. Positive. So I've got friends of mine that do go to practice every day. And I got a phone call from him and I forgot what the second team offensive line was. He said, and I'm telling you, Dabo has ridden this guy for three days and he's crushed him. And on a Tuesday press conference, somebody asked about second-team offensive lineman, and the kid's name was brought up. And my buddy texted me and said, this ought to be interesting. And he goes on and talks about how, man, this kid's awesome. Man, we believe in him and everything. My guy's like, no, no, no. He has dog custom for three days. So while we don't get to see what actually happens, it's a good thing, too. And you get family time, and you get, uh, you get the same quotes every single week anyway. But you're right, it's redundant. It's boring after a while. Uh, yeah. The fans probably say, I'd love to be there every day. There's not a man in America who doesn't get paid to, to be there, big dollars. And how about this? Who would have thought back in those days, we would talk about Senator Tuberville, 
but we're still doing this. And he said he kind of left us a little bit, didn't he? Yeah, I would have never, I would have never thought that Tommy would be a senator. I did know that that he liked politics. Uh, he yeah. he used to like to talk politics a little bit, you know, um, just casually. Or he he was one of those guys. That he, he was the delegator as a as a football coach. And so the beginnings of practice, when they're going drills and stuff like that, he always let his assistants coach, and he let his coordinators coordinate. And and so he would come, you know, shoot the breeze with media guys. And sometimes he would, if there was a political topic of the day, he would he would talk about it. I can remember talking Bush versus Gore with with Tuberville back in. Hey, if you want to get if you want to get in hot water a little bit, we could just do all politics for this podcast, and I can get you in deep trouble. So, I know you. Uh, <laughs> I know you could. And I've I've done it to myself many times. Oh, this is kind of political, so let's dive into it. Um, I have said for a while, and I and and I'm I'm quasi educated on it. Probably not nearly as much as you are because I don't cover the ACC. I don't work in ACC country. I don't I don't keep up with the ACC from a minutia level because there's no reason for me to. But I've talked to people and I've I've heard the same thing pretty consistently, and that is. The ACC is held together right now by a grant of rights, a, a media rights deal. And that is the only thing holding it together. And that there are four schools, the schools that I've heard are Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, and Virginia, that know if they could extricate themselves from that rights uh, release that they would be able to get into the big two in some form, whether it's the big 10 or the sec. Um, personally, I think Clemson and Florida state would go to the big 10. I think North Carolina and Virginia would go to the ACC, but it really doesn't matter. The, it's the big two and they're all going to make it's their, their two power conferences. It is what it is. And I've said for a while, and I'm starting to think that I'm really right, that this is kind of like a game of musical chairs when we were kids. And they play the music and you're walking around the chairs and you're eyeing the chairs. There's not enough chairs for everybody. And when the music stops, you either get a chair or you get kicked out of the game. And then they turn the music back on. And I think that they've been playing the music for a little while. And I think Clemson and Florida State, North Carolina and Virginia, and maybe another one or two, but those four for sure. I think they are starting to anticipate the music coming to a close. And they're starting to kind of get a little jumpy and jittery. Like, hey, I got, I got to get, I got to get to a chair. I got to get to a chair. I, I, and and to the point where, I think they're getting ready to break the rules, if you will, of the game. I don't think they're going to wait for the music to stop. I think they're going to jump at a chair. And I don't know that there will or won't be a punishment. But I, I don't see the scenario where the ACC makes it to the end of the grain of rights. Tell me if I'm crazy. No, I think you're right. Um, I have said on my radio show that it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And um, this has been going on, really, this talks for a couple of years now. The Texas-Oklahoma thing started last year with the Southern Cal and UCLA Pac-10, I mean, a Big Ten deal it did as well. Uh, I'm very good friends with athletic director at Clemson, Graham Neff. He's young, but he is as good an athletic director as I've ever been around. I think he's brilliant. I see Clemson's a small town. And much like Oxford, much like Auburn, as you know. And, and so I, I know his wife well. I know his kids well. I see him around. And every single time I see Graham Neff, he's got a phone up to his ear. And he'll he'll say, you know, I'll call you later, whatever. You know, he'll he'll speak and, you know, give you a handshake or whatever. And he said, you know, I'll call you back. He'll call me uh, when we see each other in public. But it's all – he's always on the phone. And, and, and I've had conversations with him about it. It's with 
TV executives. It's with lawyers. It's with conference commissioners. It's with presidents. It's with other athletic directors. He yields a pretty big stick. He's got a pretty good product, obviously, in Clemson, but he also has good relationships with a lot of different people, a lot of different avenues, a lot of different areas. And now it's a it's a big issue. Grant of rights is a three to $500 million issue. Um, it is the reason that I am sure that th- those ADs, along, by the way, let me add Miami, let me add NC State and Virginia Tech. Okay. Because there's supposedly seven. I cannot speak. Dan Radicovich is a friend, too. And I, I feel for sure Dan's a moving and shaker. I feel Dan's been in this conversation. Florida State's been adamant that they have been. Grant's behind the scenes. He's mentioned some things. His comment is always, I'm going to do what's best for Clemson. And, you know, you got to walk that fine line because you're still in the ACC. And you got to walk with their commissioner being called to the, you know, to the, to the uh, principal's office, too. But he's, that's his job, to take care of Clemson. So, anyway, there, there's a fine line in there of what – contract contractual lawyers what that litigation looks like i tell you an interesting thing neil one thing that's missing from the grant of rights and the three to four to five hundred million dollars that florida state and clemson would owe each is it does not say where the case would be litigated so imagine if florida state could get it in the state of florida clemson could get it in the state of south carolina or if north carolina leaves and you get in front of a Tar Heel judge, a, a, a Tiger judge, or a Seminole judge, that might have a whole different tone. So we don't know where the case would be heard or each of these suits would be heard. We also, what has been complicated about it is ESPN's been hemorrhaging money. At the same time, Fox has been trying to jump in. You know, Their, their, their uh, pregame show at noon has gotten better ratings. They're getting better games. NBC with the Big Ten on a Saturday night. Yeah. We're in Notre Dame stands. I mean, there's so many moving parts here. So the, the latest round of all this was August 15th is a deadline that you have to give them to get out in the, at the end of this academic school year. Well, can he get all his I's dotted and T's crossed? That seems like it's hard to do. Uh, so this time next year, you know, is it going to be that year? Is it going to be the following year? Um, I think it t- it's going to take one to jump. I think once that dam breaks, everybody's going to jump. Um, what – Whatever loophole, whatever contract they can get out of, however they can do it or negotiate down. You know, you don't want to be in a marriage that's only held together by a prenup. And that's what this is. It's a prenup. Yeah. And the only reason they're staying together is because Clemson doesn't want to be in the ACC anymore. Florida State doesn't want to be in the ACC. I mean, so, Florida, but, State's, Florida State's made it pretty clear, right? I mean, like yeah. you said, I mean, they, they've, they've, they're not even hiding it anymore. They're basically wearing the T-shirt that says, we want a divorce. We want out. Yeah. I mean the, – I mean, I just the keep. I, I, the and I'm with you. Deal, Go ahead. Uh, is that Florida State? I know this. Clemson and Florida State met for over four hours last week in Charlotte at the ACC football kickoff. Uh, the the two schools met, two ads met on stuff. So the difference is that Graham at Clemson is a little more behind the scenes, and they kind of almost mutually agreed that Florida State would be the aggressor in the public. But that does not mean that North Carolina doesn't feel the same way as Florida State, that Clemson doesn't feel the same way. Bubba Cunningham at North Carolina is a very good friend. Those guys are all close. Uh, the Virginia AD and, and Graham are very close. But the, So the point here is that I think there's a lot of, of, of like-minded thinking, but they kind of push Florida State as the one, okay, you go say this, you be public about this, you're president. And it might be personality, too. I'm not saying it's all contrived sure. that way, but it might be personality that – Hey, we'll, we'll step out a little bit. We'll make these comments a little bit. Let's see how it goes. If we have to pull back, we can do that. Or if we need your guys to step up. But believe me, I know, man, they are talking to 
every entity um, on this very complicated. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. Because right, if you're if you're Clemson, you're there in Clemson, South Carolina. If you're if you're Graham Neff, or if you're one of the people in his inner circle, when you're sitting around having a conversation, and at some point someone has to say, you know, the numbers are what the numbers are, and the ACC media rights package is worth what 28 30 million a year yeah and the SEC media rights package is going to be at least double that the big 10's right. probably going to be a little bit more than that yeah. and so if you're south carolina you have to say hey look they are the numbers are what they are if we're making 28 a year and south carolina's getting 58 a year for the next 12 years there's that disparity at a minimum if that's the case, that's 30 times 12 is $360 million at least that, 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 that in their operating budget that we don't have. Well, that's, that's, that's not competitive and you're trying to compete. I mean, you, you're, you're wanting to compete with, you, I just don't think you can, if you're Florida state, it's the same thing. You can't look across the state at, at, at Florida and say, well, we're going to compete with them when in reality at that point it's, it's quite possible that you can't when you when there's that, that much of a financial disparity. There's a reason the Pittsburgh Pirates don't ever win the National League. You're a baseball guy. Cubs yeah. fan, if I remember correctly. Correct. Uh, Cubs are over 500 now, right? Or right at 500. As we record this, they're at 500. Okay. Just made a trade for Jamer <laughs> right. Candelario. Yeah, we could we could go down that road, but people would get really frustrated right now. All right, but but it's small market and large market. Now, now you can say this. So I get my phone calls from from Clemson fans that want to stay in the ACC. Hey, we're beating South Carolina every year, and I didn't last year. South Carolina played well in the fourth quarter and beat them. Sure. But you know, we won we won eight in a row before that, and we won Nash two national championships, played four national championships, made the six college football playoffs, the second most for anybody out there. Money doesn't matter. But right now, that gap is about twenty million. And Clemson, one of the ways they've been able to to through through their booster club through. The, the way they allocate their money, they've been very uh, strategic about that. Clemson spends more money than Ohio State on football. Now, Ohio State spends more on golf and tennis and volleyball and basketball and all those things. But so Clemson has to live to the football side of it. Um, that is an easier gap. And it's not easy, but that $20 million gap is one thing. By 2030, it grows to 50 or $60 million, uh, the between the Big Ten and them and maybe – Forty to fifty million. So, so that just grows. That gap is that's crazy. insurmountable. That becomes yeah. that becomes too much. You can't you right. can't close that gap. There's no there's no creative accounting that that so, clo- so closes that gap. That too. And, and I can't. We're gonna. This is just. I think we have two more steps. I think the the, the power two, the Big Ten and the SEC. I think that's going to happen. Hope what dominoes fall. The game of risk or monopoly. Who gets what properties? They'll split that up eventually. I think we've got to get to a situation where, I mean, how is Rutgers and Vanderbilt, no disrespect to some of your maybe uh, listeners on the but how do they, how can you justify they're making more money than somebody that's not involved in at this point in time? That, that's kind of crazy. So I think that eventually we'll redraw the maps. We'll have a czar that will come in. I've always been a proponent of, all right, let's have a football association and let's draw a football map one way. Let's have a basketball association because you can't leave out Georgetown and, and St. John's or, or some of the Villanova or, you know, some of those teams, Gonzaga. So let's have a basketball map. It might be regions and you might be in region one in football and region two in basketball. And so there, it makes no sense to me that Southern Cal's tennis team is going to get on an airplane and go play Rutgers in a big 10 tennis match. So let's get it to back with the men's or women's tennis association. Southern California plays Pepperdine. 
They don't play Minnesota and Rutgers. Clemson right now spends a sends a, a volleyball team to Syracuse, New York, and, and Boston, uh, Chester Hill, Massachusetts. That makes no sense. I think we'll redraw those lines in the second phase. First phase, when and how, it's fascinating. And I do think – one thing I disagree with a lot of people is that they say, well, say Florida State and Clemson – I've been told by good sources that, that Florida and South Carolina cannot block Florida State and Clemson from the SEC. A&M could not block Texas. Right. And dollars are dollars, and that, that's not blockable. But – I don't buy this fact that uh, well, South Carolina has the state of South Carolina. You don't need that market. And Florida has the state of Florida. You don't need that market. To me, uh, a lot of that with the cable rights back in the old days and the SEC network. You know what's interesting, Neil? And I, I need you to do some research for me. Have you ever seen any SEC football network ratings? You ever seen any ratings for the SEC network? I haven't, I, even looked for, I haven't looked for them yet. I don't, I don't know. I would, say, so here, I would think that their game – their their action ratings, if you will, meaning when games are being played or one thing, and then I I just I don't know how many people actually sit and watch. Nothing against Paul, but okay, well, you're me, watching Paul Feinbaum's show, for example, or watching you know SEC Rewind or whatever. I just I have a I have I have, I have reservations about how many people actually watch that stuff. Last year, Florida and Missouri played on ESPNU. How many viewers would you say? That's a hard question. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even begin to know. Uh, okay. One and a half million? 433,000. Oh, wow. Okay. So my point is, it, to me, ESPNU and SEC Network, the SEC Network, their inventory is terrible, I think. I, if I were to watch Vanderbilt play football or Missouri and Kentucky play football, at the same time Alabama's playing LSU, the same time that, that A&M's playing Auburn, I, I'm not watching those games. So they're, they're, And there's only one, I mean, there's two, three games on at once. It's not, it's not great inventory. And now remember this about the Big Ten. See, the Big Ten is going to have Fox. They're doing like the NFL. They have Fox. They're going to have uh, uh, CBS. They're going to have NBC. Yep. They need more. The games that sell. So I, I looked this up today. Clemson is 10th in the country last year. 2.88 million people per game watched Clemson on TV. 10th in the country. Uh, second behind Notre Dame by the teams that aren't already in the Big Ten in the SEC. The games that people are watching are where Ohio State and Alabama and, and uh, Georgia and Clemson and Michigan, those teams, when they're on TV, that's who people are watching. And Notre Dame, and those, so, so you're not paying, the Fox is not paying for Illinois. They're not paying for Northwestern. So what you need is inventory. And so what does, because there's some folks say, well, I'll tell you right now, South Carolina averaged about 922,000 people per broadcast, for television broadcast last year. Clemson averaged 2.88. Why would you need Clemson, the tenth rated team in the SEC? Oh, it, it's why I I think the Big Ten's going to get Clemson because I think the Big Ten's going to target Clemson. I think the sure. Big Ten's going to target Florida State because I think to your point, and we talked about this on on my morning podcast earlier in the week. To your point, I think that the I think Fox and the Big Ten are a much bigger threat to the SEC than the SEC. Maybe not the SEC itself, because I think Greg Sankey and those people are really smart. I think they know. But I, the, the fans, the general fans down here who are, you know, diehard SEC people. And this is not a criticism, by the way. It's just, a, I think it's it's not completely grasping a couple of things. One, the idea of that, if I understand it correctly, what NBC really wants to do is take that Saturday night game and make it just like what they're doing on Sunday night in the NFL. Exactly. 
the the whole all the bells and whistles, the pregame, the on the field, the all the stuff. And to do that, they they need big brands. Well, Ohio State's a big brand. Michigan is a big brand. Wisconsin is a pretty big brand, massive alumni base. Um, USC, massive brand. Um, UCLA, UCLA to some extent. Penn State, big, big brand. And so if they could add a couple of sort of traditional Southern brands where you know that the atmosphere pregame at Florida State, at Clemson, is going to be raucous, where Ohio State at Clemson on Saturday night, you can you can sell that all week long, right? Yeah. Uh, Penn State at Florida State on a Saturday night, you can sell that. Michigan at Florida State, Ohio State at USC, you go on and on, right? You get those kinds of games. Look, they're they're gonna they're gonna pull a big number. Yeah. Uh, we, we but here's what I know about this. I know that all right, this is what I've been told. I don't know. This. Fox controls the Big Ten, but old CBS. New ABC ESPN does not control the SEC. That Sankey is the power guy still, whereas Fox, I mean, whereas the Big Ten has a new commissioner, and it's more like Fox is calling the shots. But Fox seems to be a little more healthy right now than ABC, Disney, ESPN. Yeah. Uh, uh, with you know with how they are. So I'll ask you this then. So you think Big Ten, and I'm not disagreeing with, you, but because that fits into what I think the Big Ten is thinking, what Fox is thinking, uh, maybe Oregon, Washington to, to solidify West Coast. Maybe Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, Virginia, whoever it might be, an East Coast. But and 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 I do believe Greg Sankey when he says right now, I don't have any, you know, we're not looking right now at expansion. I believe that. But it seemed like to me that we the SEC has blocked off the southeastern part of the country and this is going to be their territory. How does it feel? I'm watching uh, uh, the Russian and Ukraine right now. You, it's about when they're in the middle of your territory. You feel that. Sankey's going to sit back without any kind of fight and let the Big Ten come and force it. Or is he going to put up a fight? No, I, I think what – I don't know this. This is just my semi-educated guess. I think that the SEC, and I'm sure to some degree all of the people at the Big Ten, really want one year of new football data. Yeah. They want to see what, what does 2024 look like. Right. Because we, we know what 2023 is going to roughly look like. It's going to be the same old thing. We're used to it. I and mean, we're going to watch it and all that stuff. But the, the, everything's pretty predictable. <laughs> You're going to have an ACC race that is what it is, an SEC race. We're going to have East, West. The winners are going to meet in Atlanta, blah, blah, blah. What does it look like in 2024? When, there's a, when, when you have, when you have uh, 16 team leagues, when you have a 12 team playoff, when you have the, the big Sunday, the Saturday night, Big Ten game. Uh, what does the SEC look like not on CBS? What do the numbers look like? How do they, like you said, how do they distribute inventory? Do they look at this and go, hey, we're going to have to put a game on Thursday night. Hey, we're going to have to put a game on Friday night. Uh, I don't I don't know. I, and I don't think they know those answers yet. And so these are smart people who like their analytical people. Well, analytical people like to analyze data. And you right. need you need the data, and 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 you can project what you think twenty twenty four will look like, but until you have that numbers in, like you said, I mean, in twenty twenty four, does the addition of Texas and Oklahoma just by osmosis make the rest of the league exciting? I don't know. Does USC UCLA make the rest of the Big Ten even more exciting? Does it draw massive West Coast numbers, for example? I don't think people know, and so you got to wait and, and and play that season out. But again, I go back to my musical chairs thing, yeah. right? Which is 
you're walking on the periphery of the chairs and the rules are you have to wait until the music stops. Wait until the music stops. But you're watching Bobby up there and you're like, Bobby, Bobby's kind of leaning in towards that chair. And if I if I follow the rules here, Bobby's going to get that chair. I'm not going to be on the next round. I'm going to be sitting over there in the bleachers. And so you start going, all right, I'm going to itch in a little. And that's the human nature part of it. So I, I don't know what happens if, for example, Florida State just goes, pardon my language, but F it. We're out. We don't. We don't think this is enforceable. We're willing to take our chances, and quite frankly, the financial difference might be such that it's worth doing. I can tell you this, and I don't know if you remember, but we knew it here in the Atlantic Coast Conference. It was even publicized. The ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 had an alliance. You remember this about a year ago, maybe two yeah. years ago? Yeah, and it, it was lasted, like it lasted like a week. Yeah, and and. Uh, maybe the end of it was Southern Cal and UCLA leaving one league in the Alliance to go to another league in the Alliance. Like, in the end, again, Eclipse's Graham now says it best. My job is to do what's best for my university. And I know this. His board of trustees and his president have said, do what it takes for us to be relevant. Now, let me say this, too. Another part of it, we had not talked about it. It is money. It's 100% money. But I think that Florida State and Clemson and Oregon and Washington – and Notre Dame, maybe. You know, Notre Dame thinks a little bit differently, but I can see this. That stuff takes. I'm going to use Clemson's example because I've talked about it many times. Clemson plays Wake Forest, plays Syracuse, plays Pittsburgh, plays Boston College. Get down, and you can be a very talented football team. But you're going to play them at noon. At 3:30, Alabama's playing Texas. At 7:30, Ohio State's playing Southern Cal. In essence, you're playing JV football. Yeah, you you are looked at as man. You're the you're the JV game. You know, it, it's cute and it's nice. But Clemson doesn't want to play JV football, and Florida State don't want to play JV football. They want to play Southern Cal. They want to play Ohio State. They want to play Alabama. They want to play Texas. They want to be with the big boys, and they should be. They belong. Mm-hmm. So somebody either. You know, the hard part is getting past all the contracts and the president, the the, uh, the commissioners. Uh, giving up their power and how that works and the networks and their power and whatever contracts that work. Somehow, man, we need to just redraw things. And let's make some common sense because, again, the idea that Rutgers and UCLA are going to play a conference game, what are we doing, man? That's crazy. Yeah, and those are the games that are going to look silly, right? Uh, UCLA goes to Indiana to play a conference game. It's going to look look odd. Um, And that's football, Neil. That's not volleyball, which they're going to do that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they're already coming up with – you know, trying to come up with ways. I was reading about this today with when the Big Ten school, when the Midwestern schools go out west, partner them up where they can fly together and go, you know, one plays <laughs> USC, one plays UCLA, and they switch and then fly back and all that stuff. They're already coming up with, hey, are there ways to sort of c- cut some cost here? And in other words, they're already realizing that in all the other sports, it's a pain in the ass. I, I know this. I know that. Uh, the travel's going to be bad. But I was talking to a, an Olympic sports coach at Clemson the other day. And uh, he was asking me, hey, are we going big team? Are we going SEC? And I said, I, 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 my patent answer is Clemson will leave the SEC. I don't know when. I don't know how. And I don't know the landing spot. But they're going to leave. And I said, what do you think about that? And he said, well, I think it's great. I said, what's the number one thing is my salary doubles. He said, look at the, the coaches in my sport in those leagues. And that's where, look, you don't, you don't talk about the SEC money. 
yeah, Georgia's won two and Alabama's won some in LSU. But, you know, Clemson's won some in Ohio State. They can challenge those kind of things. Look what the SEC basketball has done. You know, when you and I were doing shows 10 years ago, yeah. Bruce Pearl wasn't at Auburn. And, and A&M, I, I think they're going to win big there. I mean, obviously it was Kentucky. Florida had a little run in there. But, I mean, what Rick Barnes has done, what Arkansas is doing, and they're paying big-time salaries and making major renovations these coliseums, and it's happening in golf. You know, uh, I've got friends of mine that are, that are golf coaches. My, my cousin's a golf coach at Kansas, and she says at Kansas, you know, we don't fly on, on jets to tournaments. SEC schools and Big Ten schools, they fly their jets, their own jets to these tournaments. And they fly first class, or they fly, they stay in these accommodations. That's where it's going to make a difference, too. Um, look at, look at um, you know, the Olympic sports and what they're doing right now, and the SEC is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss just hired Chris Beard. I mean, yeah. you know, they're crazy, right? Yeah, it's 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 wild to see the the level of financial commitment to to um, to all sports. Really, I mean, they're they're Ole Miss is paying its women's basketball coach more than a million dollars a year. I would have never I would have never guessed that that would happen. But that's where the money. I mean, when you have it, it's obviously going to go to football first, and it should. But it gives you an awful lot of luxuries. It's the we talk baseball. It's the difference when. Yeah, the, the A's can win occasionally um, under Moneyball. The, the the Rays can win some. But they make one trade deadline mistake. They get one injury. You know, the, the bigger market clubs can afford to make bad mistakes. And they'll just cover it up. And so you, you want to write a check? Okay, we, we hired a bad guy. And the SEC and the Big Ten, we'll write a yeah. check. We'll get rid of them. Yes. Small markets, you know, smaller teams and smaller conferences, they can't do that. They can't write that off. Yeah. Oh, it's great, the go. great example in baseball is the New York Mets. They made some some mistakes, and, <laughs> and they're kind of eating them at the deadline now. And, and they'll, yeah. as we record this, the deadline's like 20 minutes away, and, and they're, they're eating yeah. some contracts, and they're going to reset yeah. for a year, and they'll, they'll go back yeah. and, and buy big-name players and try again. But, but the margin for error is so much easier it is at, at Alabama than it would be at, at a, a school, you know, a, a non P2 when it's all said and done school. All right. So let's talk about uh, at least one more season with the ACC as, as uh, currently composed. It, it certainly looks like Clemson's the favorite. It looks like there's a lot of respect for Mike Norvell and, and Florida state and what they've done. Uh, and then after that, there's it's, it's kind of unknown North Carolina a little bit. NC state gets a little respect, but the, the, the meat of the league is up top with those two schools, Clemson and Florida state kind of same as it's always been really. Well, let me say this. So, remember when uh, when Bill Hancock, we, he comes on our station on our afternoon show a lot. I remember he was telling us how, oh, man, it's only BCS. That's the only way to do it. And then we got a playoff, and it's like, oh, well, I mean, two-team, I mean, uh, uh, four-team playoffs, the only way to do it. Now we're going 12. So, forever, remember when, when, when you had to have divisions and you had to have a championship game out of those divisions? That's the only way to do it. And now it's the, the idea is we don't – the ACC doesn't have divisions this year. They didn't have it during the COVID year. Notre Dame came in for one year, which is crazy. And Clemson and Notre Dame played in the ACC championship game. Clemson blew them off, off the field that day. Um, after get, after losing to them when Trevor Lawrence had COVID uh, up in South Bend in, in double overtime. But this is, the only, this is the second time that we don't have, have divisions. So Clemson and Florida State play in September. And conventional wisdom tells us that they'll play again in December. And obviously, the December game will be worth a lot more than the, the September game. They play in Clemson in September, and that game's important, but not as important as how those teams progress after that because the winner of the December game wins the conference and has a much, much better stance as far as college football playoffs. Uh, you're right, though. I think that, that Florida State's made, made progress, Mike Norvell, and through transfer portal. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, Neil, but it's something like 22 of their top 44. 
are transfer guys. I think it's I think it's uh, like eight on offense and like nine on defense transfer guys, and they've gone the transfer portal, uh, which is good in one way. But you better win because if not, then you know, yeah, you got some. There. Clemson had quarterback issues the last two years. Uh, they have not. They had not had special teams the last two years. And they made the college football playoffs six straight years. They hadn't made the last two. Um, they had issues. They had issues with Trevor Lawrence and, and Deshaun Watson too. But those guys made up for it. And I make I made the statement that had Bryce Young been the quarterback at Clemson, they'd gone to playoffs the last two years. They had quarterback issues. Quarterback didn't play well. Uh, Garrett Riley comes in from TCU's offensive coordinator. Um, the hope is that Cade Clement plays better, and the hope is it comes to football. Can, they still have weaknesses, um, still have question marks, but those are can be covered up by by you know a little better quarterback. Play. But yeah, I think those are the two. Uh, I would put those two at the top tier, and then to me, there's a little drop off, and there's you know five or six teams are in that in that middle part. Who's in the middle part? North Carolina and yeah, North Carolina has Drake May, extremely talented. They're going to miss their leading receiver, Caleb Downs, from last year. Um, or Josh Downs, Caleb's brother, Josh Downs. Uh, they've got a new offensive coordinator. Come on, get two uh, in. I mean, uh, um, There's one. Guy Come left, on. We go to uh, Wisconsin with, with uh, oh, the new staff there. there. Oh, yeah. I, I should know this because he coached at Ole Miss for a while, and it was, it's been the running joke, and now his name's escaping. My, my, my. Oh, my God, that drive me crazy. I'll think of it right now in a minute. Uh, but with that said, so the new offensive coordinator. Here's the thing about the Tar Heels, Neil. The defense has been atrocious. And Gene Chizik and whoever else is running up there, uh, the guy from Army a couple years ago, they've been really bad on defense. Phil Longo, by the way. I, 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 Longo. I couldn't think of that either. Phil Longo. Pass happy. It'll be interesting to see what Luke Fickle does at Wisconsin with him. I think I think Wisconsin is going to be good this year, by the way. With yeah, that said, Tarheels have holes. Uh, can they run the ball better post-Longo? I think they can. Drake May is a good athlete. He's a, He'll be a first-round draft pick. Defense is the issue there. Uh, a lot of people like Pittsburgh. Neil, let me let me ask this question to you. Name the teams that are in Power Five conferences that have won more football games than Pittsburgh in the last two years. Teams in Power Five conferences that have won more games in Pittsburgh in the last two years. Yes, uh, Georgia, obviously. He's one of the best batters in the game. Ohio State, uh, Michigan. Probably a little bit biased, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. College, Alabama I never struck out, and that's where I got excited about him. Um, good pitch. Yeah, it was a good pitch. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Um. Ooh. How many more am I missing? Clemson. Okay. That's it. Five. Uh, Pittsburgh's won twenty games the last two years. Only five teams in the country have won more games than Pittsburgh the last two years. They they lost a lot of personnel on defense. They've got a transfer, uh, you know, situation at quarterback, running back. I uh, Pat Narduzzi's teams play really good defense. Schedule is somewhat favorable for them. The easiest schedule in the ACC is Louisville. Louisville does not play Clemson. They don't play Florida State. They don't play North Carolina. And, you know, Notre Dame has a little deal. They don't play Notre Dame either. So Louisville has a very easy schedule. The toughest schedule is Duke. You're going to laugh at me when I tell you this. Duke's a good football team. They won nine games last year. Didn't really beat anybody. Uh, Riley Leonard is is an NFL quarterback. They've got ten returning starters on offense and nine on defense. Um, They're talented, but they're scheduled. They have Clemson and North Carolina and Florida State and Notre Dame. So they'll beat one of those teams, but they'll be better this year. Um, it's a good, solid team there. Um, NC State lost a little bit. NC State was in top 10 at one point in time last year. They lost a little bit. They've got um, the, the quarterback for Virginia Armstrong. Brendan Armstrong's transferring in with his old offensive coordinator. Uh, you'll see Leary in the SEC uh, from, from NC State last year. He'll do a good job in Kentucky. Those are the teams there. Wake Forest, uh, you know, the quarterback leaves to go to Notre Dame. He was great, but I think the bigger deal is A.T. Perry, wide receiver, graduated. Still got a good wide receiver core. Dave Clawson does a great job with nothing at Wake Forest. Uh, they're a solid club in there. People uh, joke. People laugh at me because we do the Clark Lee joke because Clark Lee's bald-headed like I am, and so we, we do the joke about Clark Lee, but but I actually think that's a winnable game for Vanderbilt at, at Wake. Um oh. Oh, they can win that game. You know, Vanderbilt played better last year, right? They can yeah, yeah, they were they were better, and I, I think Vanderbilt's path to six wins has to include a win at Wake. And if they get it, then you know they they could overachieve a little. Yeah, Miami is one. You know, Mario Cristobal. If the ACC is going to do live to their potential, you got to get Virginia Tech back. Brent Pry has a tough job. I'm not sure what's going to happen there, but you got to get. My uh, Virginia Tech back. When, when well, how have they gonna, fallen off like they have? Where they went from being a, a national power to really being a, a borderline bad football team the last. Oh, they're, they're bad. I give you this: if they lose, if they have losing season this year, it's the first time since the late '40s and early '50s they had four straight losing seasons. How did it happen? Beamer fell asleep at the wheel at the end of his tenure. They weren't as good at the end. A little bit of Bobby Bowden kind of a deal. Joe Paterno kind of deal that it was bad at the end a little bit. And, man, I really felt like uh, that that the the next guy from Memphis, I thought he was going to do a good job there. His first year, they won the ACC championship game, and and I went up there. I heard his postgame show, and, man, they were loving him. He He's a little bit like – I'm going to get in trouble here. He's a little bit like Beta O'Rourke in that the more you see of him, the more he exposes he's got tons of weaknesses, Right. Because a lot of these guys, uh, oh man, I'm going crazy now. The guy that was at Texas, was at Houston as well. Um, I'm going crazy now. Uh, Major Applewhite? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, wasn't Ohio State. I'm going crazy. Houston, Te- Texas just fired him before. Uh, oh, uh, Herman. 
Yeah, Herman. Herman is Beto O'Rourke, right? Like, man, on the surface, you get him, and everything's going to be great, and he can fool you for a little bit. He fooled people to Houston for a little bit. But in the end, he was a weird dude, and it, and it, and it didn't work out. I, I think that's what Virginia Tech did. Now, Pry, I don't know a whole lot about. Uh, I hear good things. Just, but you know how hard it is to turn around? You've seen it. Once it goes down, man, upper mobility is tough. And a little bit of administration stuff, a little bit of facility stuff. You know, Miami's kind of been the same way. Uh, Radakovich, the AD, would do a good job there. I think Cristobal is a great recruiter. Neil, I think Mario Cristobal is a terrible game day coach. You're not the uh, first person to say that, that he's a really good recruiter, he's a really good culture builder, but that he struggles on game day and that he has a hard time kind of owning that part of it. And yeah. uh, You so, know, I watched them a good bit last year because I was curious. I've watched them a good bit the last two years because two years ago I thought there was a chance that Kiffin would, would be in the mix for that job. And then last year I just kind of went out of curiosity. and They just were not a very good team. You know, people yeah. kept talking about them beating Texas A&M and – they just weren't good enough to do it. It, it wasn't yeah. they, and they gave, good. And then Middle Tennessee State, my friend Rick Soxton went down there and just kicked him in the teeth exactly. on short yardage. They stuffed everything. If you remember that game, and gave up 99-yard touchdown yes. run and all that. It was a wild one. But they've not been very good on lines of scrimmage. You think about this. When Miami came into the league, they were the best team in the country. And and when Boston, I mean, Virginia Tech came into the league, I mean, they were a top-10 team. And Boston College was up there. And they had it rolling. So – you know, I don't know why, but all those teams fell off. Florida State fell off. Quarterback, coach combination, administration a little bit through all those. Um, probably Virginia Tech through some of those. But I mean, the ACC had potential. Um, and that's why, you know, football at Virginia Tech is really important. I mean, I've been in Lane Stadium 10 times, 12 times in my life. It was a pit, brother. I mean, you didn't want to go in there. And, man, they were all, they were down here throwing on a night game, and they, they kicked you right. And, you know, they wanted to just destroy you, and they did a great job of it now. Once it gets going the other way, it's hard to stop that momentum. And I'm not sure if he's a guy who can do it or not. Yeah, there's just so many programs in that league. Like you mentioned, Syracuse and Boston College, and they're fine, you know. But there's just – it's so sometimes – not to get back to our the, the, the genesis of our conversation too much, but not to beat it to death. But it's hard for me to believe that Clemson people, that Florida State people, that I'm sure they can talk themselves into, hey, we're getting excited about Boston College coming to town. But at the same time, it's difficult for me to believe that they're – that gets the adrenaline pumping all that much. No, they don't look like us. We don't look like them. We don't talk like them. You know, they, here's where they, they were sold to Billy Goods. You know, I, I went to Chestnut Hill three or four times. And Fenway Park's nice. You get to go to game and, and you get some good seafood and you get some nice tours. How many times can you do that? Um, Syracuse is a, it's a pretty place. Uh, not the city, but the rounding surrounding areas. Yeah. Two or three times of that. You know, you go to Cooperstown once, you go to Niagara Falls once, you go to Buffalo, yeah. whatever. After a while, there's got to be more to it. So in the end, here's what's killed the ACC. It's small, <laughs> private schools that had basketball identities. They reached, they struck out, and now they've got northern, small, private schools that can't compete with the with the bigger southern state universities. Their identity, in their DNA, North Carolina football. Uh, Virginia, I mean, North, sorry, North Carolina's basketball. Syracuse is basketball. Um, you know, for Virginia, Georgia Tech, these are, these are basketball places. NC State, Wake Forest, Duke, I mean, that's basketball. And if 80% of the television contracts come from football, then they're stuck. And that's why Clemson and Florida State, they're out. They, they have, 
It's a divorce. There's no like-minded thinkers any, think anymore. There's they want out. They don't. They want out of Where does Clemson want to go? SEC or Big Ten? If you if I were to poll a hundred rational Clemson people, where do they want to go? I'm not sure. There's a hundred rational college football fans in any any, any fan base. Um, I know this. If you polled Eric Backett, their baseball coach, he would say SEC because he coached in the Big Ten at Michigan. And there's an advantage to recruiting. You're not making a a baseball decision here. No, I think I think if you ask most Clemson fans, they'd love to go to to Neyland, and they'd love to go to the Swamp. They've got a series signed up. You know, Clemson's played Auburn about five or six times. They've got they've played four so far with Texas A&M. I think that's right. Yeah, four so far Texas A&M. Um, they've got a series with LSU <laughs> coming up. Um, Georgia, you know, they play not enough. But and those games have been great and fun, and they like it when those teams come over here. Auburn's been over here you know, a couple times. It's fun. I think the average Clemson fan would rather drive to Auburn and it's drive to Tuscaloosa and drive to, to Athens and Knoxville and Gainesville than fly to, you know, to, to Bloomington or fly to Champaign, Illinois. Now, that said – there's something sexy about a Southern Cal, an Ohio State, a Michigan, and a Penn State. And having those guys here would be great. He can tell the But again, uh, man, uh, your, your DNA of who you are, this is an SEC school. Florida State's an SEC school. And it just it just fits who they are a little bit more. That's their neighbors, man. That's their water cooler talk. That's who they are. And to me, if you could draw it up, that would be the way to go. Speaking of SEC so schools, as they get ready to let you go, uh, what have your impressions been of the job that uh, Shane Beamer has done at, at, at South Carolina? He completely turned things around the last two games last year. And even the bowl game, because I thought they played Notre Dame. You know, uh, I was skeptical. Uh, and then they crushed Tennessee, and they crushed Clemson. The week after Florida destroyed them in the swamp, right? So after that game in Gainesville, I'm like, man, I don't know about this kid. Um, he's a lot like Dabo Sweeney. He's, he is the, he's a, uh, cheerleader guy. You know, he's a guy that's a CEO guy, very positive message. Um, he got a big five-star commitment today over Ohio State, a big defensive man. They feel good about that. I think he's recruiting. Okay. He's a very likable guy. He's got a, a, I think a pretty good staff. A lot would depend on, on Daryl Loggins, his, his uh, offensive coordinator, how that works. Um, I don't think they're going to be very good on lines of scrimmage this year. And he's like everybody else, man. He's one win away from getting over the top, and he's one loss away from getting down. And that, I think it's going to be that way for a long time. Tommy West is a dear friend of mine. I mean, you know, Tommy, those years, it's like, man, there's so many times you look back at him, he was that close to making it. And then it was always one step forward, two steps back at Clemson. Or, you know, everybody, you know that. You've seen all those guys that you've been around at Auburn and at Ole Miss, those guys. Man, they're – it's one or two pivotal games. And so South Carolina fans are hoping that it's Tennessee and Clemson last year. Because, man, they beat, he beat two top five teams yeah. back-to-back weeks last year. Oh, it, just, it like, felt like, like such momentum at the time. I mean, it was like, man, here yeah. they come. I mean, that, 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 you know, that, that scene in, I guess, you know, in Columbia when they beat Tennessee and then yeah. I think it was at Clemson when they beat Clemson was yeah. – you could just see it. I mean, there was there was a lot of energy around that program and inside. And, now, so they open up with North Carolina and Charlotte, and then they've got Georgia in week four. So right now, man, they love him. And I think he's a I think he can do it. I really think he can get it done. But if we do this again on October first and he loses to North Carolina and he gets blown out by Georgia, oh they're gonna be down his throat again. That's just that's what he's like so many coaches. He's one close win or one close loss away from, from being it. 
Dabo going to stay at Clemson for good? Is if, if Alabama opens, is he is he bolting or is that ship sailed? Um, a couple of things about Dabo. Um, I could open my window right here. He lives in the neighborhood behind me. Now, to be clear, Neil, we need to put railroad tracks in his neighborhood and mine because that's a whole other. The man's got about a forty thousand square foot house, the basketball court, and all that over there. Anyway, his wine cellar is bigger than my house. With that said, um, an assistant coach of his told me this about five years ago. Uh, I said, would he ever go? And he goes, no. I, I think he'd go to the NFL, maybe, if they would have him. But I, I don't know. He said, he, he said, do this. Name the coaches, the successful coaches at Alabama. And I said, Bear Bryant. I said, Gene Stallings. I'm, I'm not going back to the to the days before Bear, but but I saw Bear Bryant coach. And Gene Stallings and, and Nick Saban. And he goes, all those guys are stoic, um, reserved personalities that were – you know, total in charge of everything. The idea that Dabo would go dance in the locker rooms and come up with all his little sayings, his corny little things he does. I'll tell you this, Neil. He's authentic, man. I know a lot of people don't like him. He's that goofy, but he's that authentic in what he is. He's an unbelievable guy. If you – he would have to change who he is to go be a little more Alabama-like, and I don't think he would do that. Or Alabama would change who they are, and goodness gracious, they aren't going to do that. So yeah. – I doubt very seriously that he ever coaches anywhere other than here. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I don't I don't think he would do it. I, I think on the other side though, man, why would you with NIL and transfer portal? Uh Mike Krzyzewski's gone and and Gary, um, you know, you, you think about uh, uh Roy Williams. Roy Williams mentioned you know, it's it's a it's a hard deal to do here. Why would you stay around and have to put up with all that? Why not go to the NFL? Why not retire? Why not go play golf and fish instead of putting up with all that? You got your quarterback making more than your than your quarterback coach. I heard do that. All I heard a story today. I will leave the player and it's for anybody listening. It does not involve Ole Miss. Uh, I heard a number today. A player likely to commit to an SEC school soon. It's a three-year commitment worth two point one million dollars. Now. Good for the kid. But when you pay $700,000 a year for a freshman to come in and play in your program, you are upsetting the apple cart inside the locker room. If he does, if he lives up to the contract, my God, he must be a great player, which means you're going to have to pay more to get him. The contract's going to change. And if he doesn't, you threw the money away, and now you got to figure out how you extricate yourself from that and still be able to recruit the next guy. It's it's a problematic system. It's not like a, a baseball player who gets $22 million a year and he signs the deal and you know that's the deal. And and look, if he overperforms, he doesn't get to renegotiate the deal. He's $22 million. And if he underperforms, that's on the front office and they get fired. It's all player, and it's, it's a player option. There's no club option. Right. And on top of that, so why would that kid go to this school Get the front end of it. Have a great freshman season. Why would he not go in a transfer portal to renegotiate his deal? Because somebody out there, if he's as good as he said, then somebody out there is going to go 2.1. Huh, we'll go 3.1. Of course. I mean, the Attica kid left Pittsburgh last year for a couple of million dollars to go to Southern Cal, and he's a first-round draft pick and all that. Yeah. But the fact is, like, that's the only reason he left. So why would you not go in a transfer portal to test your mark? Why not be Caleb Williams? Find out. Of course, yeah, exactly. And then you know, because originally, 
If you're that good, just, right? If you're that good, you 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 cash out, you get the money, and then a year later, you you go to the NFL. I mean, see, so, originally I thought that the, the reason I was against the transfer portal is I thought okay, somebody from Troy is going to have as a true freshman had 80 catches for 900 yards and 14 touchdowns, and a car dealer in Tuscaloosa or in Auburn is going to say, hey man, I'm going to give you. $150,000 to come play here. And I thought, man, that would be terrible for Troy to, to recruit this kid, take a, take a risk on this kid, and then and developing him, and then he's going to go star in state somewhere else. But that's not it's not at Troy. Caleb Williams left Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, no, this, it, this it, Troy. We, we underestimated, for whatever reason, just how much this stuff means to people. We, for whatever reason, even people I like you and me, I guess I did. I, 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 I knew, I knew the whole NIL thing was going to be a joke. I was like, this is not going to be about selling some jerseys or, or being a. They're going to get salary, but I didn't know that it would escalate to this. Now look, we're just getting to the beginning of this, where the high, highly paid freshman gets the money, and then we see what happens. We're just now getting there, so. Uh, the 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 backlash from that hasn't had a time to completely come around. Yeah, uh, I made a statement on my show before. We, you you and I we we're not millionaires. We don't make money. We're not billionaires. Certainly, uh, the idea even if I was a billionaire, you think I'm taking money from my four year old or my upcoming little daughter I got to give to a high school football player? No man, way. Have you lost your mind? No way. There's no way on earth. I'll no do this. way. But. If more people have more money than cents sometimes. And he, and look, you, we, I grew up in the 80s, and I can remember some stories of the of the Texas and Texas A&M oil people. And these people got money, man. And and I'll tell yeah. you, what, my next-door neighbor here in Clemson was a, was an engineering professor. His dean left Clemson to go to A&M. He said one day they, they had this new engineering building. It was $83 million. They started a campaign for it. Uh, they started at 8 o'clock one morning with a goal of $83 million. They had the money raised by 3 o'clock. Three people made phone calls, and that was it. There's money out there. And these people, A&M is so starved that you go and just buy football players. They're so tired of not winning that you go buy football players. And so I'm going to get in trouble for it, for saying it for here. But, like, when Auburn hires Hugh Freeze, what you're saying is we don't have enough confidence to go win with a good dude. Go. We're going to go Six win with a guy that did what he did at, at Ole Miss. Or at, and he might feel differently about him from his Ole Miss days to all that. Or – or, or a, a Rick Patino. St. John's has said, we don't have enough confidence. We have to do it this way. We're going to hire Rick Patino. We can't do it the right way. Miami has said, we can't win the football. John Ruiz is going to be a billionaire. He's going to have to give all these players this money. But those are avenues people can take now. And there's people have money, man, and they are crazy about it. But I grew up in a time where I knew this was going to happen. You think in, you think in Columbus, Ohio, that a car dealer doesn't think he can, can make an impact? Uh, look at what these guys are driving now. I mean, these guys yeah. got more money than sense, man. So it's going to get worse. Yeah. But here's here's I'll come full circle on this. You make them employees. I would have Neil. I would have never believed that. Why would you make someone an employee? Because then you got a non compete for a year. You make them sit out a year. You have more control if they're employees. We've lost control, right? Yeah, I. I've I've had this conversation. Andy Staples and I had this conversation pretty recently about this whole thing. I I I um 
I have real questions about how the employee thing works on down the, the chain, right? If you're sure. with the football players and employee, what about the volleyball player? How does all that work? And I know people say there's ways to do it. Um, I just think it's complicated. And then I, what I hear, what I hear from the league, and this is it's interesting. I don't know whether this is the league's trying to conference offices trying to hang on to the way it's always been because this is power, or whether they have looked at this analytically and say, I don't know. Uh, they 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 are very cynical slash skeptical about whether that works. And and but- I, I think the Big Ten would. I think they're more in favor of that than the SEC at this point. And if that is the case, then we'll have to see how all that works. Yeah, I, I, I don't I really can't speak like to the Big Ten. I don't. I don't. I don't think the SEC is crazy about the idea just yet. I don't think they're. I, I think there's oh, there's concern over. at their level about how viable it wow, is. Wow, well, look at that. Will you grant me this at least? Sure. That it's not just the portal and not just the NIL, but the combination is what's so deadly. Yeah, and are. and we could we could find a way to mitigate a little bit of the NIL. If we made them sit out a year with the portal, yeah, I do a show twice a week with Tyra Siski, the former. Um, he was Alabama's personnel director. He was Ole Miss's recruiting director. He was a wide receivers coach at South Alabama, and he he is a staunch advocate for going back to the old transfer rules. Yes, hundred percent. But, but and 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 while I know that's the right thing to do, and it makes a ton of sense, I don't. I don't know that anybody we, – we are in an environment right now that is incredibly pro-player. Get out. For the player. Get out. And baby Ian. the toothpaste and trying to get it back into the tube, and that, that is hard to do. Go try. They're scared, they're scared of litigation. You know, Justin Fields. Yeah, so because they because they'll probably lose in litigation if you get the wrong judge. If you and once you it, – it's, it's why the NCAA has quit fighting in many ways. It's because the NCAA found they were losing in court. All right. Uh, I know you got to go. I know you got that going on. Give me 30 seconds then. I'm going to interview here. Am I wrong? Uh, have I misread uh, Hugh Freeze at Auburn? Would you have hired Hugh Freeze if you're Auburn? Um, so he and I have a pretty complicated history. Um, <laughs> I, will, I, will I don't say, know that, by the way. I know nothing about y'all's history. Yeah, I will say this. Um, he's, he's a good football coach. He's a good recruiter. They've had um, preseason. Yeah, they've looked good. Been- what he did here was – Obviously humiliating for him. He paid for it. All right. He was humiliated in the public sphere. He lost set walked away from 17 point something million dollars. I mean, did walked with nothing. Ole Miss didn't give him an a there was no parachute. Nor should they. Right, right, right. My point is my point is that's that you you're paying a price. I mean, I I am a person who believes in second chances. Uh he he went to Liberty. Uh he did a good job there. He he has a Obviously, a problem with Twitter. He can't get off of it or X or whatever we call it now. Um, I, I will tell you this, and I said this consistently, so I'll, I'll be consistent here. Last fall, when there was all the talk about Lane Kiffin to Auburn, I would talk to people at Auburn, people who cover Auburn, and I always told them, Lane Kiffin's not a fit at Auburn. Lane Kiffin is not going to come in and do all of the baby kissing and 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 go to the fish fry and do all the Auburn family stuff. Lane's not going to do any of that. Lane's a good coach, but he's not going to do that stuff. Hugh Freeze will. And that stuff matters at Auburn. They want that, for lack of a better word, Auburn people get pissed off at me when I say this, but it's hokey stuff. They like that 
family yeah. and all that stuff. And Lane will point out that he doesn't do the family thing. And he'll say, why? If you ask him why, he'll tell you, well, because in a family, do you disown somebody because they're not any good? Yeah. You know, college football, now, if you're not good, they process you out. They, they, they lower your NIL money. They move you on. That's not what you do in a family. In a family. Is, perfect you, fit, is Lane a perfect fit at Ole Miss and will he be there a while? Uh, it's entertaining you know, from the outside, man. It's really entertaining on the outside. Yeah, I, I think I, th- I think more and more as the time passes, there's the a chance day. that he's here for a significant amount of time. I think there's a certain degree of wanderlust that he just has. And then obviously what happens is because he's one of those guys that when – if you work for a click-based media outlet, and that's not a criticism – but if you work for an outlet that your salary is dependent upon clicks, well, you put Lane Kiffin at the top of the list. Yeah. And, um, you know, like if you told me Texas A&M got off to a horrible start, for the record, I don't think they will, but let's say they did. Well, who if I'm, if I'm covering Texas A&M for 24-7, for on three, for ESPN, whose picture am I putting out front? If, let's, let's say Ole Miss is five and one at the turn, and A and M is two and four. A and M loses at Miami. They lose in Arlington to Arkansas. They lose another game. It's a disaster. Whatever. He's something else. And it kind of gets leaking out that Jimbo's not going to survive. Yeah, he's a stud. Whose picture are you putting out front on day one? Yeah, hundred percent. Lanes. And so that's it's going, and I, the people yeah. here are going to run out of patience with it. And Over and so that's there, there's a recipe where it gets a little yeah. volatile. But is he a fit? Yeah, he's a perfect fit because he does he does a lot of he, he he's made just be. Ole Miss I think craves relevancy. He's got a World Series right now, and, and yeah. he makes them relevant. He, uh, he makes them entertaining. People watch them. Uh, either people love Lane Kiffin or they love to see Lane Kiffin lose. And so. Yeah, he's he's a big brand, and so yeah, I, I think I think he's a good fit. And the more he's here, the more that I think he realizes that Ole Miss people aren't look. Is there a segment of the Ole Miss population that wants him to be more outgoing and more, you know, talk oh, about how great Ole Miss is and stuff? Sure. Oh yeah, that's, that's the score. But for the most part, they just want him to stay. They just want yeah. him to win and stay. And if he'll do that, they don't Let's really care go. about his idiosyncrasies. Hey, I know. Uh, I don't know about your time frame. I have two great saving stories. You got time? Yeah. One involves Lane Kiffin. Clemson beats Alabama 44-16 national championship game. The second time they beat him in national championship. They beat him in national championship two out, of the, uh, two out of three years, right? They had the great game out in Phoenix that comes down to a kickoff return and onside kick and, and Bama wins. The next year in Tampa, Deshaun Watson throws a last-second touchdown pass to Renfro. I'm telling on to tell the second story too. Alabama beats them. They go back and forth. First again, Bama beats them in the Sugar Bowl in the semifinals, in which I was convinced there's no way it's going to happen. And, and coaches all over the country are telling me, man, there's no way Clemson's going to kill Alabama. Bama's not very good. Yes. Bama wins that one. <laughs> uh, and then in Santa Clara, the following year, Clemson beats Bama 44-16, blows them out. <laughs> Lane Kiffin is on Dan Patrick's show the next day. Dan Patrick says, "What's it like in Tuscaloosa today?" Now, Lane is, is at the town. He's at FAU, wherever, right? Yeah. And he says, I can tell you this. There is a – there's an 8 o'clock meeting. I better be there by 7. And he said, well, uh, 
He said, I guess you just have to be, that's just how it has to be, right? And he said, no, because I'll tell you this, I coached since 15. And he got, remember, he got fired in the semifinals or left the semifinals before that Sarkeesian took over. He goes, I coached either 28 or 29 games in Tuscaloosa. He goes, I was happy for 28 days. The other 700 days, I was miserable. And and Patrick again oh said, well, God. that's just how it has to be, right? And he goes, no. He goes, I worked with Pete we won two national Patrick championships. I love it every, every time. They hit the bumps so there's more. There's more than one way to do it. Yeah. Not yeah. In. He, he has a lot of respect for Saban. He, he, he does, he does. The stuff that Score. Saban does, but but people do the Saban thing, but he's much more Pete Carroll than he is Nick Saban. Lane's, so, not, Lane's not Nick Saban. No. He respects him, but he, he also yeah. there's more than one way to do it. Sure, of course. So, I, I got this one for, for, for Saban, too. So, Burton Burns is one of my best friends and coach. Burton coached with him running backs. He coached here with, with Tommy Brown. He coached with, with yeah. uh, Coach Saban running backs. Got a couple of high school trophy sure. winners. Did a great job for one. After the, the, the Tampa win, I'm sorry, after the, the Arizona win, 45-40, Alabama beats Clemson. They're in the locker room celebrating. They do the on-field thing, the confetti and all that. The, the uh, Reese Davis interview, whatever it might be. Uh after they're in the locker room, they're smoking cigar, whatever. Everybody's going crazy. Well, after all that clears out, there's, there's about every after every game. There's a ten minute window where the assistant coaches are meeting in the side room, and Saban comes in, sets up to them, and gets them ready for Sunday afternoon meetings or whatever it might be. He goes, "Man, to celebrate national championships with cigars." He said, "Saban comes in the locker room and rips their ass after a title game, after the national championship game." He said, "Men, I want to tell you something." It took a fluke kickoff return and an onside kick to beat a team that we were two touchdowns better than. You didn't have this football team prepared. That won't happen again. All right, fast forward, and everybody's in shock. He goes, being, you know, Monday morning, Wednesday morning, whatever, Thursday, when we get back, we're meeting, you know, we, this won't happen. All right. Clemson beats them in Tampa the next year on a last-second uh, touchdown pass to Hunter Renfro, right? Uh, 35-31, Clemson win. After everything, locker room, same mix of the media, the coaches, assistant coaches are in, in, in their little meeting room. They're expecting to get ripped again. Saban comes in and says, guys, I want to congratulate you. They were better than us. Your preparation and your game day stuff got us to where we had a chance at the end. It took a last they, – they beat us on the last second deal there. You had this football team prepared to win. It's interesting. It's fascinating. So, he, it's all about fascinating process. Guy. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy. It's all about guy. process. Right, you're as good. You do as good as you can do, whether it's national championship, win or lose. It's the process and not the outcome. Yeah, isn't that crazy? He's like I said, he's an absolutely fascinating person to uh, yeah, no doubt. Follow. Hey, no I doubt. I, uh, I really appreciate your time. This is a lot of fun. Uh, if I can ever repay you, please let me. Please well, hop. I'll, I'll I'll hop on. You can. Uh, we're an hour behind, so we can tape it. But I'd love to have you on the uh, the radio show here. Our listeners love you. I get asked about you sometimes, and so I'd love to have you on soon. Yeah, anytime, Mickey. I would love to do it. Sounds good, bud. Thank you. Bye. Our uh, thanks to Mickey Plyler for his time on Hand Raise Guys. This will uh, be the Oxford Exxon podcast. It will be the fifth Oxford Exxon podcast of the week. Normally it's the Friday Oxford Exxon podcast, but we moved it up because of uh, all the talk from uh, Tallahassee, Big Ten, Pac-12, Moved it up today, so make sure we got it to you in a timely fashion. So we'll be back on uh, Thursday with another edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. And then next week with the full week of uh, podcast as we enter week two of preseason camp for Ole Miss. And uh, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it very much. Thanks to Comer. Thanks to Southern for sponsoring the show. Until next time, take care.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.